Very glad you're here tonight in the Lord's house. We want to begin, please, our praise and our worship with hymn number 11, All glory, praise, and honor to Thee, Redeemer King, to whom the lips of children make sweet Hosanna sing. Let's stand as we worship the Lord tonight. Bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer and ask for His help and His blessing in our service tonight. Father, we are thankful again for the joy of being able to be in the house of praise and the place of thanksgiving and worship. We ask, dear Father, tonight that we be all very conscious of the Savior's presence with us, of the Holy Spirit's power. We ask, dear God, to strengthen our hearts and to enable us to go on from strength to strength. Thankful for this hymn we've been able to sing now tonight. And Lord, we know that no matter what enemies or foes are raised against Thee, 
that there will never be any time when the devil will be victorious over the forward march of the church of Christ. And thankful, Lord, that we are on the side of truth and of righteousness. And we're thankful, Lord, that we in Christ have the victory. Help us, therefore, each day to walk and to live in that victory, and that we will not be cast aside or filled with worry or care or concern. Lord, we know there are many things going on in this world tonight, and they are of great concern to us. And yet, Lord, we by faith cast them all upon the Word of God. We cast them all, Lord, upon Your gracious care and keeping. We want to always filter the events of this world through the promises of Scripture. We want, Lord, to be guided by the Spirit through the Word. For we know that the Scripture has a word, a direction, something to say for every generation, for each one of us. And we want, Lord, to be receptive of that truth. We think of the great conflicts going on today, and we pray for the situation in the Middle East. We think, Lord, of the believers that are in Gaza, and the testimony we hear of Muslims coming to Christ. And we are thankful for this, Lord, but we pray for Your protective hand over Your people in every circumstance. We pray that You would overturn the devices of wicked men, those who take to violence and terrorism. Lord, overturn them. Make them be exposed. And we pray that they will fall down under the weight of direction of the judgment of God. We pray, O Lord, that in Israel those who are followers of Christ will yet have the open door of witness and of testimony, and that many will come to the Savior even through these very dark times. And Lord, we are mindful of Your people that are in harm's way in many different parts of the world, being persecuted because of their faith in the Savior. Lord, surround them with Your love and Your protection and grace, and help them to be motivated and filled with the Spirit of God to be a living witness and a testimony in these dark times. We do pray for our missionaries, and Lord, as they have to face great opposition at times, opposition to the gospel, opposition to their being in the place they are to bear a witness for Christ. Lord, protect them, shelter them, and encourage them in their work, and build them up in their most holy faith. We pray for the ministry and the work in South Korea tonight. And our brother Lee, we ask for your Spirit to be upon him and his family and the church, and that they would be prospering and growing in grace, and that their testimony would be a very strong one uh, to bear the gospel news far and wide. And Lord, we pray that other congregations and fellowships would uh, spring up from that ministry and witness. We hold up again our brother Schultz in the Czech Republic. We ask for your blessing and hand to be upon him to encourage them in their congregation and that they would be consolidated and strengthened. Let's see that work going forward. Think of the work in Liberia. And we ask, Lord, that your blessing would be upon that ministry and witness there. 
and in Mexico and Jamaica and in all of the other parts, Lord, we just bring everyone to You in prayer. And Father, we think also of those that are connected with our churches that don't have pastors and under-shepherds. Lord, supply their need. Bless them in this time of difficulty. And we pray that the right man will be brought to the right congregation at the right time. We ask, Lord, for Your hand to be upon the ministry in Port Hope. We're thankful for our brother Lyons that has been faithfully serving and witnessing there the last number of weeks in the morning service. And our brother Siman in the evening time. Lord, use the Word that has been preached faithfully to be an encouragement, and may that work yet be built up. Hear our prayers, Lord, for all of these areas. Remember, Lord, in our own congregation here, those that are sick. We pray again for our brother David McAnally that you would help him now tonight in the hospital and in the procedure tomorrow. We're thankful for bringing your servant through what could have been a very, very serious circumstance. And Lord, for your hand upon him. We pray also for our brother in Mexico, for Manuel, the need he has of his mother. And we ask that your blessing would be upon this dear lady and that she would know a touch of the Master's hand. We again pray for Serene, for our brother Ron, for Richard Teo, for our sister Joan McKercher, and Lord, many others who cannot be here tonight because of their age or some other problem. Bless and encourage them where they are. And Lord, strengthen our congregation. Let us know the power of the Holy Spirit in every believer's life, that every day as we go out to do whatever work and ministry and business that we have to do, Lord, we be very, very conscious of the Savior walking with us and of the Spirit of God making use of our testimony and our witness. Father, we want to be used as lights in a dark world. We want to be used as those who will testify and share the witness of Christ one to another. Lord, hear our prayer and answer our prayers, we ask. So, bless us now in this evening service tonight. We pray that your rich blessing would be upon each one of us. We ask all these things now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's continue in our praise. We're singing number 111, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Well, I received this morning a petition, and it was a petition from some of the younger people, and they said, we would like to sing more Christmas carols, and we would like to sing them earlier in the year. It seems that it's only a few uh, weeks of December, and so yes, we would like to do that. So we're going to be singing a couple of them tonight. And of course, we look forward to, well, not only every Lord's Day and every opportunity we have in our Bible class this morning, our Brother Kingsley Jew uh, leads the opening service for once a month where all our ages are gathered together, and he introduced the month by singing four Christmas carols, and that was a blessing. And so many of them are filled with good doctrine, and it's good to be reflecting and thinking about these things. So we have two of them we're going to be singing uh, tonight. This first one, Angels We Have Heard on High. Let's stand, please, as we worship.
Let me ask you to turn now in your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 6. The prophecy and the gospel of Isaiah. Chapter 6, we're going to read the first eight verses. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain too he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me! For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, Lord. Send me. And in this verse, in this portion of Scripture, as Isaiah was able to see a tremendous vision of the glory of God and the angels declaring the holiness of God, our Savior is seen here in the question that God asks Who will go for me? Who will I send? Who will be my representative? We can hear the Lord Jesus, our Messiah, saying, Here am I, Lord, send me. And Christ willingly gave Himself to be an offering, to be in our place, to stand where we should have stood, to go to the cross where we should have been nailed. And yet our Lord Jesus willingly offered Himself Ah, yes, and many times this portion of Scripture has been used and applied, and rightfully so, as a question that God asks of us. Are we prepared and willing to go at His request to serve Him? Maybe the Lord has been working on the heart of someone here. 
Maybe you're young. Maybe you're not so young. But maybe that question comes to us as well. Are we prepared to go and answer the call of God to respond to a particular work that God wants us to do? Well, as the Lord's Spirit speaks to our hearts, let's be ready and open and willing to respond to Him as He makes that call to us. May the Lord be pleased to bless His Word to your hearts tonight. Very glad that you're all here in the Lord's house tonight. We want to welcome you very earnestly in the Savior's name. And if you are here for the first time, maybe you've come back again, we want you to know you're very welcome in the Lord's name. We're happy that we have folks online with us tonight, and you are also very, very welcome in the Savior's name. We're glad our brother Robinson was able to get back from being overseas. He was attending to his mom and his dad over there that are very elderly, and uh, we're thankful that the Lord's brought him back safely uh, to us tonight. It's good to see my mom here tonight, too, because my mom is going to be 99 tomorrow, December the 4th. We were going to get her a cake, but we thought about it again because if you had to put 99 candles on a cake, it would be kind of expensive. So we thought, well, we'll wait till next year, and then we'll just put one big candle on instead. So that's kind of the way that's working out. Mom, no cake this year, but next year you might get a big one. Uh, so you have to hold out for that time. So we're very thankful that Mom is here in the service tonight, and uh, we pray the Lord's blessing on her tomorrow as she celebrates a very important milestone in her own life. Continue to remember Brother David McAnally, please, in your prayers. The Lord would bless him. He suffered a heart attack uh, just Wednesday, Thursday morning, early in the morning, and was rushed into hospital, and they were able to put three stents in, and that certainly opened up the flow to his heart, and uh, they're going to be putting a pacemaker in tomorrow. The family would greatly appreciate your prayers uh, for him. And also our sister Joan McCurcher, good to see Joan in the service tonight. Uh, she had went for a procedure this past week and got some good news from the doctor, but Joan lost her voice. Oh, it's been a while now, so I know she'd appreciate your prayers that the Lord would just touch her throat and uh, open up so she can talk again. Duncan, he's getting a bit bored at home. All he can do is hear himself talking, and he's got to make all the instructions, and he's got to listen to only whispers. Uh, but we pray, Duncan, for you as well, that the Lord will put his hand upon you too. Please remember our services this week. Well, we have a, a session and board meeting on Tuesday night at 6 p.m., and then we will be having our prayer meeting and Bible study Wednesday at 7.30, and that will be our Sunday school staff prayer time as well. Word of thanks to our sister Lori Bryant as she prepared the Christmas card that we have sitting in the foyer on the stand, and that is the, for the appeal and the fund for the Pregnancy Care Center. So please do remember uh, that important ministry, and if you want to give something toward that. We received also uh, another good contribution toward our bus appeal, and so let me put that for you, toward you as well. As you come to the end of a year and you're sorting out your own tithes and offerings to the Lord, 
And don't forget that along with our ministerial students. We want to remember them in prayer as well as the appeal for the Pregnancy Care Center. Let me remind you about the church directory that we are revising for the new year. If you have any changes at all, address, cell phone number, uh, please uh, let, them, let us know. You can email us, and most people, a couple of people have done that already. You can email us at info at torontofpc.ca, and we'll be sure to add and make that change to our uh, directory. Don't forget the international lunch we're going to be having on December the 24th in the will of the Lord, and that will be after our morning service. And so please use it as an outreach opportunity to see that friends and people and neighbors, family members don't normally come to church, maybe, well, great opportunity to bring them in. And we will present the Lord's Word in the morning service, and then they're welcome to stay in the afternoon. And then there will be a a praise service following the lunch in the afternoon time on the Lord's Day afternoon. Well, we look, look forward to that time. Don't forget, please, about the Jamaica Mission Outreach happening, God willing, in August of this 2024 year. And if you'd like to be a part of that, you could speak to us regarding that matter. Let's praise the Lord again by singing number 106. Remain seated while we sing this particular Christmas hymn, While Shepherds Watch Their Flocks by Night. stand for the final verse and then verse 1 again.
Please turn again in your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 15. The book of Exodus chapter 15, this morning we read from verse 1, and we finished at verse 11. And this time we're going to read from verse 11, and then go down to verse 19. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee? glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. Thou stretched out thy right hand. The earth swallowed them. Thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon them. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over, which thou hast purchased. Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary. O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. Some people wonder, was there any indication of what happened to Pharaoh during this time? Was he actually part of the army that went into the sea? And very clearly in this song of Moses, it makes it very clear that Pharaoh perished with his army at that particular time. It's interesting, in this song that Moses gives, He is looking many years down the road. He is looking past the 40-year wandering in the wilderness. He knows that it's going to be a time when, by when they get into Canaan, then those who are the Moabites, the Canaanites, those who are the Philistines, they all will hear of the great things that God has done for His people. They will hear about what happened at the Red Sea 
and they will fear and tremble before the God that is leading His people forward. And as we mentioned this morning, it is a great encouragement for us as God's people today to realize that what the Lord did through His Old Testament people, He is still doing for His people today. We are the Lord's chosen ones, and as we go out in our battles in the day in which we're living in, in every generation of the Lord's people that have faced conflict, there is a great confidence and great hope that we have that our Lord God goes in front of us and leads the way. And whatever enemies come against us, and whatever the devil plots and plans to do, they will sink to the bottom just as Pharaoh's army sank to the bottom. There will be no victory for the devil and all those that go along the same course that he does. Let's ask the Lord to bless us tonight as we come to look into His holy and precious Word. Father, we are very thankful today again, being in Your house and in the place of prayer and of praise and worship. And Lord, now as we have the Scripture open, and we are looking at a portion of Scripture, Father, that is so great, and a phrase that is so vast and so beyond us, as Lord, it describes something that is really beyond definition. And we acknowledge that tonight, Father. And yet I pray that the help of the Holy Spirit would be upon me to strengthen me and help me to speak the Word of God faithfully and clearly. And that every believer would receive the truth deep in the heart and that we would have a greater, a wider, a vaster understanding of the God with whom we have to do. Lord, hear our prayer tonight. And Father, we ask that any who do not know Christ here, who are watching online, or perhaps who heard the Word this morning, Lord, it might please You to work deeply in their souls and You would help them and lead them to a personal knowledge of Christ Jesus. Hear this, our prayer now, because, Father, we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Verse 11, if you are not here this morning, is a verse of Scripture that we have been thinking about, and specifically uh, this phrase where Moses exalts the Lord and he refers to the God of heaven as being glorious in holiness. We noted today that verse 11 is a question. It's a question that Moses asks, who is like unto the Lord among the gods? And the word gods there can refer to those that are imagined gods, like all those of Egypt. It can also refer to mighty ones, referring to those who lift themselves up and exalt themselves as Pharaoh did. And Pharaoh 
was in a sense deified for the people of Egypt. They looked upon the pharaohs at that time as they were not human, or they were human and God combined together. And so Moses says, where, where are they all? Where are the gods that have been uh, presented to us? And those that we were well familiar with among all the Egyptian people. And where are the leaders, the pharaohs, the captains, the kings, all of those that made great threats. All of those that we were reminded of in verse 9 of the very chapter, how they boasted and said, we will have the victory. We will have the prominence. We will take these people back into slavery again. We will slay all those we don't want, and the ones we want we will take. We will have the mastery over them. There is no one and no being like unto our God. There is no one that can be described as being in comparison to Him and glorious in holiness. Everyone who exalts themselves against the Lord and remember what Pharaoh did. He shook his fist in the face of God when Moses said, Deliver my people that they might worship me. He said, Who is the Lord? The Lord was not named among all the gods that they knew. And He was not prepared to surrender and submit Himself to any authority that He claimed He did not know. But really, was that the truth in Pharaoh's heart? Did he really not know who the Lord was? I say to you, he did know who the Lord was, but he was not prepared to submit himself as every ungodly man today Every atheist is not prepared to submit themselves to the living and true God. How do I know that? Because Paul tells us through the Holy Spirit in Romans 1 that they have set themselves, they have taken the knowledge of God, and they have set it aside. Because God has written on the heart of every man the awareness that He is. The awareness that the God of heaven and earth exists. And so what does man do? They must stifle that information. They must take that which is written upon their hearts and set it aside. And why do men do that? I will tell you why. Because they want to live their life their own way. They do not want to come to a point where they acknowledge they are accountable to the God of heaven. Friend, if you are without the Lord tonight, if someone may be listening online that doesn't know Christ, and maybe you've been wrestling with some of these issues, and maybe you have questions about the existence of God, I encourage you, I implore you, do not fall prey to the devil's deception of wondering, is this God real? Where is the God of heaven and earth? I don't see the evidence of Him today. Let Him show His power to me and then I will believe. For every ungodly, every Pharaoh has uttered the very same thing. Let God show Himself to me and then I'll believe. Those that were around the cross of Christ, they said, let Christ come down from the cross and then we'll believe that He is the Messiah which they would not have done. And so, friends, today, 
let us be very, very careful and let us not be impressed or distracted or deceived by all the proud boastings of those who think they are intellectuals and who imagine that there is no God and it's all just a fairy tale. We come back to the revelation of God's Word and come back to the written revelation of God and then also we come to the natural revelation of God and we look around nature God is continually putting forward the siren, the lights, the examples of His greatness, His majesty, His creative power in the universe, in the structure of the earth, in the rotation of the earth, the timing of the universe, all of these things. And then you come down to look at the very nature of creation itself in our human construction. All of these things speak wonderfully of the glorious God that we worship. And Moses sums it all up by saying that this God who has given us the victory today, He is glorious in holiness. As we think about this tonight, I want us to consider again that we would pray that where we find an inability to really capture the full weight of what this Scripture is saying to us, where we have to scratch our heads and say, I don't quite understand what it means, let us pray that the Holy Spirit will, will show us, He will teach us, and that we will be able to mix that Word with faith and we will grow thereby. The question arises naturally, from this verse of Scripture, what is the holiness of God? It is not just that God is free from sin and corruption. It is something much more than that. Because if we were to define holiness, the holiness of God, as just the fact that He doesn't have any sin and He doesn't have any corruption, that would only be the starting point. It is so much more than that. It means that God is the sum and the substance the most complete expression of all that is truth and purity and perfection in mind, being, and will. God in His holiness is something that we cannot just deal with lightly. And we will and have tried with words to at least begin to scratch the surface of that definition. But friends, ultimately, it is something that we receive by faith. We know that it is true. And we yet come to really an end of our ability to give expression to it. This morning in our service, in part one, 
we thought about the essential nature of God's holiness. The Lord is not holy because He earned it. He does not live up to a standard that has been imposed upon Him, nor is the Lord accountable to any outside being or force, nor is He declared holy by some examination that another person will do. And I mentioned this morning, and I said that we can begin to enter into a definition or understanding by saying that the Lord is intrinsically holy. And that means that this quality or characteristic, it cannot be separated from who He is. It cannot be separated from who He is. That's what the word intrinsic really means. It's part of a a definition of what something is. I'll give you a I'll give you a little down-to-earth illustration here. Now, if I was to say that my wife was intrinsically beautiful, which she may think that I don't tell her maybe half enough, but if that was the case, it would mean that beauty was an essential part of who she is and which defines her. And so that which is intrinsic, it is a quality that is necessarily possessed by the individual or by the being that we're talking about. Holiness is inseparable from who and what God is. In other words, His holy nature is the qualifying attribute in it that undergirds the entire being of God, and therefore it determines His holy actions. We also consider that the Lord is independently holy, which simply means that there is no outside being or power that provides the Lord's holiness, or that infuses that into God. No, the essence of divinity itself is without beginning or ending, and it's not dependent on anything or anyone outside of Himself. And then we also mention that the Lord is immutably holy, and that word immutable simply means unchangeable. So He is unchangeably holy, and God said of Himself, I am the Lord. I change not, and therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. And what a great confidence that was was to Israel, to the people of God, and to us today. Because the Lord does not change, that means His promises do not change. That means what He said He did for us in redeeming our soul, that does not change. What He did in sending Christ to be our Redeemer, our kinsman redeemer. That will never change. And the promise of the gift of everlasting life that we will be in glory with the Lord doesn't change. Because if it could change, it would mean that God could change. And if God could change, He is no longer the God that He claims that He is. Now, as we move into the 
second part of this message tonight, I want you to notice that the demonstration of the Lord's holiness is seen at the cross of our Lord Jesus. There can be no greater example in divine or human history that expresses the unbending holiness of God than at Calvary. Their holiness and justice and love converged at that place of the crucifixion of the only begotten Son of God. God's justice, which really expresses His holy nature, it demanded satisfaction because His holy nature would not allow any deviation from it whatsoever from His being. It could not be overridden. There was no way to circumvent the holiness of God. Sin could not simply be excused. It could not just be forgotten or swept away. It couldn't just be dismissed. The retributive justice of God, it pulsates from His holiness. And it meant that sin must be punished. And friend, sin must be punished either in the sinner or in the substitute that is set forward. William Shedd, in his dogmatic theology, wrote this, God cannot lay down a law, affix a penalty, and threaten its infliction, and proceed no further in the case of disobedience. The divine veracity or truthfulness forbids this. He has solemnly declared that He will by no means clear the guilty. And it was here that Christ willingly submitted Himself to be our kinsman-redeemer and step up and pay the full price to redeem our souls from hell it was at the cross where righteousness and peace kissed each other and full atonement was made. The price of a perfect sacrifice was offered and we have peace with God. That's a very full statement and a worthy one to be thought over again. Because, as Mr. Shedd is trying to capture what it meant for the Lord to go to Calvary and what it meant for the God of heaven in the holiness of His nature and the justice of His being, that it could not have been any other way. For my friends, I say to you this tonight, if there could have been another way for God to eradicate sin if there could have been another way for God to take the sinner into glory, why would He have sent His Son? 
Why would He not have done it another way? There was no other way. There was no other sacrifice. There was no other offering that could be made. It was only that the Lord sent His only begotten Son. Stephen Charnock wrote this. He said, Not all the vials of judgment that have or shall be poured out upon the wicked world, not the flaming furnace of a sinner's conscience, not the irreversible sentence pronounced against the rebellious demons, nor the groans of the damned creatures give such a demonstration of God's hatred of sin as the wrath of God let loose upon His Son. Never did divine holiness appear more beautiful and lovely than at the time our Savior's countenance was most marred in the midst of His dying groans, when God had turned His smiling face from Him and thrust a sharp knife into His heart, which forced that terrible cry from Him, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? The Lord showed, dear brothers and sisters tonight, the glory of His holiness at the cross in a way that surpasses the understanding of a sinful man. For the unsaved man sees the cross as just foolishness. The intellectual man scoffs at such a simplistic, simplistic remedy for the problems of society and the sin of his own heart. But the very place where the world heaps its greatest scorn is the place where God has manifested His wisdom, His love, His justice, and it's all surrounded by the fact that His holiness is glorious, as Moses stated. I want you to notice the third tonight, that this is the testimony of our lives. The song of Exodus 15, it uses the word glorious four times. One of them is repeated in verse 1 and verse 21, expressing this thought that God triumphed gloriously. Then we have it repeated in verse 6, where we are told that God is glorious in power, and then in our text, glorious in holiness. The context is the destruction of those whose intention was to destroy God's people. Egypt had already suffered the humiliation of the plagues and their refusal to release Israel, and they would be left alone had they not determined that they wanted revenge. And it was at this very point that God's power 
and His holiness and triumph, it's described as being glorious. It's hard to do with the... It had to do with the protection of His own people, of us, of those who are His chosen one, the redemption and freedom that they were to serve the living and the true God. And I want us to take courage tonight in that great truth because the Lord will never be more glorious in the eyes of people and so feared for the manifestation of His power than when He defends His own. Have you seen that in your own personal life? When the Lord has come to deliver you in such a way that you never thought was possible, maybe you weren't expecting it. And have you not come to fall down before the Lord and to worship Him for His love and His mercy and His holy way in operating within your life? And friend, does it not encourage us to say, as Paul did in Romans 8, that if God be for us, who can be against us? We go forward. We continue on. We will take courage. We will trust in the Lord and not be afraid. For God is my banner. God is my salvation. He is my victory. Satan has been defeated And we are living today in the victory of Calvary. And we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Because Christ gave Himself for us. And we are not worthy of any of that. The Lord said to Jacob, Fear not, thou worm Jacob, for I am with thee. And just as God showed Himself gloriously victorious in holiness for His people, so He shows Himself powerful toward us. And all this, it draws out from His people the worship that is due unto His name. And therefore, we say tonight, Let us offer unto God the sacrifice of our praise, giving thanks to Him continually. Let us magnify His name. Let us gather from within our own souls that very theme that has been brought out in this song that Moses has given to us. And taking this truth in our soul, we ask the question, how should we then live Well, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, Peter asked the same question, what manner of persons ought we to be in all holy conversation, in all holy behavior and godliness, knowing the things that we know? Therefore, this must be reflected in, in our lives, in our conduct. So how holy is God to us? Do we live in the light of this great truth that He has commanded us to be holy as He is holy? Do we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness as we read in Psalm 96 today? Do we come to the Lord in prayer, acknowledging both in the Spirit and in the attitude we have approaching God that He is holy 
in His nature and being. Let's beware of any spirit of flippancy in our praying. Let's come to the Lord as He invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us lay hold upon the God in pra- our God in prayer. Let's be careful and remember and know that we are coming into the presence of the Creator of all things. How will all this be attained in our lives? How are we going to acknowledge the Lord's greatness and His holiness before us? Are there going to be kind of a five-step process? Or will it be by determining how we're just going to be a better us in our life? No, friends, it's not by any of those things at all. It's only going to be by the Holy Spirit's work in us as He is making us more like our Lord, as He is conforming us to the Savior's life, and letting His Word take power, having authority and control in us. It is by reckoning, by knowing our place in Christ. And this is so important for us as believers because as we have been justified by His grace, and that means that God has declared that we are righteous, once that is true, we then must embrace and take hold and grasp our justification to lay hold of the fact that we have a standing before God and He has declared that there is no longer any condemnation against us because we are in Christ Jesus. And believer, when we grasp this truth, we know our place in Christ, we, we know and grasp hold of our justification, then, then we're able to go forward with confidence. Not being beaten around by the devil, not being uncertain of where we stand in the Lord. Can we go forward or not? No. We know this because we are in union with our Savior. We have been justified freely by His grace. We will lay hold of His justifying grace in our lives. And we're able to go forward. And we can trust the Lord to accomplish His purpose in our lives. And that's the walk and the rest of faith. That's what it means. It's not just now all things theological. It's not just something in theory that we know, yes, as a believer, I'm supposed to know I'm justified and lay hold and grasp this. And No, it's by trusting in the Lord and in His Word and walking with Him each day. How can we continue in the grace of the Lord? Ah, it's by trusting in Him each day. It is by resting upon His holy and precious Word. Arthur Pink commented this. He said, Then as God alone is the source and fount of holiness, let us earnestly seek holiness from Him. Let our daily prayer be that He may sanctify us wholly, and our whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless 
unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 I love the closing words in Jude's epistle that really make up a doxology for us. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. Amen. It is the Lord who is able to keep us from falling. It's the Lord that presents us faultless before Him. And because we know that that is a work of the Spirit of God within us, we therefore can be confident and bold to go forward. And let us do so each day. Believer, is it not all summed up in this great truth that the Lord, He is glorious in holiness. I pray that He would bless this Word to your hearts tonight. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, write this great truth upon our hearts. Lord, where I have with feeble words and expressions tried to scratch this mighty truth, Lord, write all of its fullness upon our hearts and help us to bask in the light, in the heat in the joy of this great statement. And help us, Lord, to go forward each day with victory and not being overrun by the devil. Let us take our stand upon the Scripture and not be blown around or about by the different winds and temptations that come against us. Lord, hear our prayer tonight and encourage our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service by singing hymn number 73. Holy Savior, we adore Thee, seated on the throne of God, soon in glory all before Thee shall proclaim Thy praise abroad. Thou art worthy, Thou art worthy. We were ransomed by Thy blood. Standing, please to sing.
answer that prayer as we come to the close of this service. And Lord, as we part and go our own ways to our homes, our places, we ask that the joy and the light and the shining of Christ will be upon our lives, that we will make a difference in the places where we go, and that our Savior and His holy being will be reflected through us. Lord, help us. We cannot do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to enable us, and we desire it to that end. So, Lord, part us in Your favor and with Your peace and with Your mighty and great blessing upon every family, every individual here. And, Lord, the blessing upon those who are watching online tonight. For we ask all these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.